0: Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uytaki, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Here at the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their passion. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young Businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessman of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki and I have my co-host with me today, Mr. Brian Smith, the most interesting insurance salesman in the world, I think, is, is the proper introduction.
1: Most interesting insurance agent. Agent. Most, <laughs> most
0: interesting insurance agent in the world. Brian, uh, he wanted me to improve my introduction, so that's uh, we're, we're a step forward in that. But uh, Brian, first of all, how you doing? Last time we talked to you... Uh, you were about to go in for some some eye surgery. So how'd that go?
1: Went good. I um, you know I don't know if, if you've ever done or looked into the eye surgery at all, Evan. But I LASIK is pretty crazy. It's uh, you know I I haven't been able to see, or at least I don't ever remember being able to see naturally. I was about six years old when I got glasses, and I've had contacts and glasses ever since. And I'm like everyone else. I know you won't admit it, but People are just scared of that surgery, dude. They used to use a blade to do it. <laughs> and people don't get that. I mean, if lay down and have someone come at your face with a little blade. And, you know, people did it, though. People did it. How do you think? I mean, that's how they got to LASIK. The iLASIK is they they did all that research and spent money on doing it the blade way. And that's how they got better at it. So there was a few people out there that that braved it, but it's it's a simple surgery man, and they told me, and I didn't believe them, but it's true. The long story short is they roll you into the surgery room, they put you on a bed, they lay you back, um, some dude leans over your face and explains that he's about to kind of laser you up, and it's it's really quick, it's a, I'd say a minute per eye. That They, they roll you under the first laser, and the design of the first laser is to simply just Cut a little incision in your eye, and they literally make a flap, and that flap then peels back. Then he says, "Okay, we're going to put you underneath a, another razor in our laser." And they, see, I'm all I'm all messed up on these <laughs> blades, thinking of razors. They literally twist you over to the other one, and you have to look at this blinking red light, which is really a laser, uh-huh. and they just they just shave off what they need to of your eye, and you don't feel anything. You smell it. I'm feeling
0: it right now, and I'm actually cringing as you say that. My wife had it done, and they actually took her, her lens of her eye out. Did they actually do that, where you go blind for a little bit? Did that happen to you? So... Now she got she she did LASIK with a Groupon so that's probably why <laughs> that's probably why she she had a little bit more traumatic experience. Um,
1: you know, I believe for a a slight second you lose your vision for a second because they take, you know, they're shifting things around, they're creating that flap and it's weird you go from not being able to see to seeing all the colors to like seeing some black and white to seeing nothing to immediately starting to see again. And dude, by the time they set me up in the chair, I could tell that I I was going to have some glares and some issues, but I could see. Wow. No doubt about it. I could see everything. So it was good and worth it. For those of you that are little babies like me and you're scared to do it, I would tell you there is nothing to be afraid of.
0: I will say this. There, I've noticed that there is one a negative side effect of your newly lasered eyes, and that is you no longer look intently into my eyes
1: anymore. So. <laughs> I don't gaze. No. <laughs> uh, well, I'm seeing – I can see everything, and it's so weird to me. We're you know sitting here in my office, and for me to be able to look in the parking lot, out the building, out the windows, and read license plates on cars is – amazing. Not to get mushy on you, but it's crazy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <That's So. up.
0: laughs> I'm glad that you're back and that you're, you're in one piece, and uh, I hope that I'd never have to do that surgery. One of the things that we were uh, kind of talking about beforehand in our little pre-show is is trying to figure out what we would, we would talk about today. We're talking about LASIK, and we're talking about almost the skill and technique that it takes to uh, reshape somebody's eyes so they can see almost perfect again. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that, um, that is in your book breaking conformity is de- debunking myths. And one of the myths that you have in there is that uh, failure is not an option. And I would say just relating to your eye surgery, that failure is potentially an option and that's not the real option that you want. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you get sure. a doctor who's just, you, you hear the word oops during the procedure. I would consider that failure
1: thinking about the surgery and, and what it takes, you know, every single thing that people want is generally right on the other side of something challenging or hard, potentially painful or emotionally distressing. I would I would challenge the listeners obviously we're we're making light of the surgery and it, and it is. It's it's I mean, dude, you go in at noon on a Friday mm-hmm. and you leave If you're first in line by like 1245, we're talking about a surgery that used to be a deal to where It was not like that now. It's like They want you to go home and rest and all that but it's not because there's anything wrong They need you to sit down and shut your eyes simply so that that flap can heal. That's it. (laughs) I mean, that's it This is not like it. They don't need you in bed because you're weak or crazy. It's just that so I think it's crazy, but I can't get too serious. First, we got I know we've got people listening that care about this. I don't. <laughs> but the Cubs won the World Series. And I saw the funniest thing on Facebook the other day. And it was a, like a ton of people jumping up and down and rioting. And the post said millions of people in heaven are rioting in heaven over the Cubs winning the World Series. And I guess... The joke to that is is the last time they won it, you know, was nobody was alive. Nobody was alive. They're not alive anymore. So I I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I'm a Cardinal fan. I love baseball. I played high school and some college baseball. So I am a baseball guy, but I am not a cubby.
0: All Uh, right. So you, you brought it up. We didn't even talk about this, but I did have I did have some random thoughts on it. I actually posted something on Facebook. And, uh, for me, I didn't want to be one of those guys that just launched into their like go Cubs or whatever else. I, I actually kind of looked at it a little bit differently and I just put that night, I said, what seems, what seemed impossible, improbable and illogical just became, and that's kind of, that's what I left on that, uh, on the, on, on the, on my post, I didn't say anything else. And then I had somebody who made a joke that says, uh, are you guys pregnant? which I thought was kind of funny. And so the answer is no, <laughs> we're not pregnant. But then they made a joke about it. It's probably about the Cubs game. They thought it was something important. And so then I went, <clears throat> I just deep dove on them. I said, it was inspired by the Cubs, but it was more of a revelation that what may seem impossible at the time is actually achievable. I believe that people can get caught up in the lies in their head that they can't do something because it hasn't been done or it hasn't been done in a long time. And they feel justified thinking that way when they fail. But hopefully... This moment, and that was at the time when the Cubs won, uh, hopefully that moment helps people overcome those thoughts that they have and change their thought process from can over can't, or possible over impossible, or reality over dream. And for me, it was more of a, a conscious choice to say, I can change the direction of where I am by changing my thoughts. And I believe at some point when upper management or whoever else uh, came into the Cubs organization, somebody had to go in there and say, you know what, we're not the lovable losers. We, we we can win this. We can make a difference. So I know you were kind of teeing that up as a joke, but it was really funny. I just finished like a
1: little Facebook exchange about that. <laughs> I was going to say, Evan's getting emotional, guys. Everybody needs to uh, get the Kleenexes out. We're uh, we're digging deep. No, you you make some, some good points. I, what's cool about life to me is you can take... Any moment you want, and compare it to your business, your family, your relationships, to challenges, to goals. I, that's what I think is fun about life. You know, so many people want to rush life, and I, I, I want to touch on this, and and we'll, we'll get to our topic in a second. But this is all ties into everyday manhood and, and leadership role, and and being an entrepreneur is a. Uh, you know, most of you guys know I'm a humongous fight fan. And November 12th, which is two days before my birthday, Evan. Okay, noted. Noted. <laughs> there's a fight in New York, Madison Square Garden debut of the UFC. And why that's big is they've been working for years to get into New York, and they didn't want them there. Blah blah blah. But a lot of you guys know a fighter by the name of Conor McGregor. And I'm not necessarily a Conor fan, but I'm not not a fan. Because he's hilarious, he's funny, and he has set the UFC on its side. We're talking about a guy that came in, is a lightweight guy. A lot of times, it's the heavyweights that make names and fight, but he's a lightweight guy. Fights 145. He's going to fight 155 on this one. He is the most entertaining, witty, natural entertainer. Sounds like are you Facebook. talking about me or Connor? Well, you and Connor. Okay, uh, right. but he he always says the right things, and he's he's Irish. So he's got the accent. He's got everything. This guy is so talented, but it, my point is, is last night I'm listening to the conference call for the Madison Square Garden card that's just huge. I mean, four title fights or five, something like that. There are people on the undercard that can head a pay-per-view, so this thing is huge. What he's got is he has the 145-pound title, and he's going to fight for the 155. It's never been done to hold two titles at one time in the UFC, and so if he wins it, it's history, Right, I mean, big-time history. We're talking about how hard is it to win one belt in the UFC? How hard is it to get into the UFC or any big mm-hmm. NFL, NBA, any of them? So what's happening is the media is already talking to him about, okay, well, you're going to have to vacate one of your belts. You know, the, the boss at the UFC says you can, you can only have one belt. We can't hold up both divisions. And he said, what in the world are we talking about here? Next week on the 12th, we're going to have the first card ever in the UFC in New York. It's the biggest one ever. We have a guy, me, fighting for another belt, which is history, never been done. I'm going to win and hold two belts. And all you guys want to talk about is the minute after that happens. (laughs) No one wants to live in this moment. Nobody wants to get charged up about living life for just now. Right. And I you know that that spoke to me at one o'clock this morning, Evan, when I'm hearing this guy, but we're talking about just not some ho hum bum. This guy He's the man. He's the champ, and he could be a champ in two divisions in, a, in an organization where you can barely even enter it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know how that gets to you, but just thinking about life and how fast it is already, we, we've got to start pumping the brakes a little bit. Well,
0: one thing I was thinking of when you were saying that was you had said that he always says the right things, and I think for me, I latched on to that first because I think he always says the right things because he has the right – mentality that champion mindset that we talked about before and I think that he is no matter what the situation going into it expecting to be the greatest and he's already kind of that faith where you're you're speaking things that aren't as though they were and so he's going there but at the same time I think he lives a little bit in reality because he's not jumping so far to where he's overlooking the the challenge that he has ahead of him which is the fight right he's actually looking at that and saying okay I have a challenge coming up that I do need to overcome, but at the same time, I think the focus needs to be on let's get this done first. Let's let's. So he's he's got his goal, he's got the right mentality, and so I'll I, based on that, I, I'll be cheering for him. I'm I'm surprised that you're actually not going to be in New York for that,
1: Evan. If I could be in New York for that, if we could be in New York for that, we would be. Um, you're right. I've got some stuff going on, but. I want to do it, and and soon I'm going to put it down, and and some of us are going to go to a fight. It's my thing. I want to take some of you guys to it. I want you guys to see why it's amazing. We cannot forget to brag on our guy, um, Alex, uh, last night. You were there. I was there. Mm -hmm. I got to sit uh, there with you at your table, Um, and you you can probably do a better job of, of explaining what we were doing there, but I just wanted to brag on Alex. He Man, he got uh, ankle deep in that March of Dimes event and and planned away. And and the YBT, the two of us, and and everyone that's a member or a listener needs to shake his hand when they see him. Um, The event raised a lot of money to bring life. Um, and, And really, what I got from it last night, I don't know what you got, but the moniker was like life. Yeah. Bring life.
0: So, the event that Brian's talking about was the signature chef's event that we attended for the March of Dimes. And uh, Alex Eiser, who's a, a member of the YBT and a good friend of mine. he was the he was the chair. He was he was approached to host the event. and considering all the different things that he does, he runs a business, he has a family,, uh, he's got a lot of different projects going on. He's in the middle of a construction project right now in his building. So his plate's full, and this was a cause that was so near and dear to his heart. That he was willing to step up and say, yeah, you know, I do want to help out because the the March of Dimes actually helped uh, him and his family uh, in a time when they were kind of going through some struggles. And so for him, it was it was an opportunity to give back. And I believe that's what we as as an organization want to encourage people to do is is to pay it forward and, and take the opportunity to give back to your community and give back or find organizations to support that are doing things and in this case it's it's helping out premature babies or helping families who are dealing with uh, challenges before a baby's born or right when a baby's born especially the ones that are premature Um, you know some of the stories that were heard last night were amazing but you know definitely yes kudos to Alex for for stepping up and and uh, sharing that event
1: and it was an honor for us to be able to attend it so yeah it was a great event well let's uh you know, you, you and I were talking, I, I if you don't mind, you know, I get ta- I talk about failure's not an option a lot and you know, in the book I was challenged with breaking down and making myths out of cliché jargon. You know, that leaders have sold their people for years. They try to motivate them temporarily. I hear people say it all the time and it's what we're talking about right now that that myth, failure's not an option. And I like to I mean, like right now Evan, I want to get in your face and say, "Look, dude, Failure is always an option. It's your first readily available option. So people have got to listen and believe. It's, it's this mechanism that they do. They, they use it to kind of rationalize their position. They use it to talk themselves into thinking everything will be okay. Failure is just always an option if you don't plan, prepare, and execute. Even then, man, even when you do everything perfect, a version of failure can still happen. But we know, and, and you know, you know, uh, in your business, you know, the only true failure, there's no true failure except for quitting. It's, it's definitely an option. We just know it's a privilege reserved for those people who try. And if you don't mind, I want to share a quote real quick, and, and then I want to hear what you think about this, but Napoleon Hill said this. He said, every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it a seed of equal or greater benefit. And when I think about that, you know, everyone knows if you, if you've ever heard of Napoleon Hill. Well, let me start. If you've never heard of Napoleon Hill, Check then you're you're not alive. <laughs> um, but if you are alive, and for some reason you have not heard of Napoleon Hill, he is the um, he has a ton of great quotes. Just the, think the, and grow rich is, yeah, is the just, book that he wrote a long time ago. Conversation with the Devil. Yeah, just the way he his insight in the world, and, and he says. Every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it a seed of equal or greater benefit. And basically to me what he's saying in that, Evan, is like every time you run into a speed bump, a fence, a challenge, look deep. There's something there. It's not just a problem. People live their their lives kind of crazy to me. And you know what? You know what? That's judgmental of me to say that. I've been there. I've been in a time in my life where I think, oh, another freaking problem. Another problem, another challenge. Here we go again. When in the world, speaking and preaching to myself right now, are we going to get up and go, yeah, we're going to have challenges. What's in that thing? What is the lesson in that deal? And sometimes, Evan, for me, that lesson is just making me stronger. That's it. Right. There's no trophy. There's no t-shirt and softball. It's just I, when I come out on the other end of it, I'm better right? I mean, is that where
0: it is? I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack in in what you just said. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to dig into as much as I possibly can. So, so first and foremost, the whole purpose of this podcast, the whole purpose of the young businessmen at Tulsa is to kind of speak to that next generation and, and, and to reach out to them from the place that we're at. Again, I still classify myself as young, but if you go back 10 years from, from right now, I was I was a guy just kind of walking into the business world. Thought I knew everything. Thought I had a good grasp on, on what I needed to do. And at the time, I would have I would have told you that for me, the the phrase "failure is not an option" was a was a true statement uh, to me in in the sense that I knew that I was resilient. I knew that I was young, and I knew I could outwork, or I had the 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 willingness to outwork anybody, so that failure would not be an option. But I like how you kind of challenge that statement and and really kind of turn it around to say, you know what? Failure is an option, but the real failure is, is giving up, right? Mm-hmm. It's the quit part. So to that extent, yes, I, I definitely agree that failure is an option if you quit. I would say at that age, I don't know that quitting was, was even something that that I considered, but you know, with, with all those different failures, Uh, You know, as I've kind of grown and as I've talked to more people, what I've learned is that you have to fail in order to get to that next level. You you're built on failures. I mean, I mean, there's I think it was Sean Copeland, and I keep bringing him up because it it's really fresh on my mind. But he I think he he, quoted a website that was famousfailures.com, and he basically talks about all these historical figures through time that have failed uh Many, many times. I mean Michael Jordan didn't make he got kicked off his basketball high school basketball team. Uh, Abraham Lincoln ran for all these different offices and I think he was even married multiple times and just he, he was failing all over the place and then you know finally towards the end, he was able to be successful. Thomas Edison you failed so many times trying to invent the, the light bulb. So failure is a part of life, but it I don't believe that it's failure in the sense of, they weren't able to accomplish what they were trying to accomplish. There were more temporary setbacks, right? They were, they did it. They put effort into it. It didn't work like it was supposed to. So maybe failure is not the right term for that. Uh, final failure would be the right term for when you quit. But like you said, there are more of those speed bumps. They're more of those setbacks that you you have in life. And like I said, speaking to you know myself ten years ago or yourself ten years ago, the failure part is the challenge and if you can overcome that challenge or that that fear of that failure uh, happening that's the challenge that you have to overcome but the last thing that i want to kind of say and like i said there was a lot to unpack there the last thing i want to say is that you can't have uh triumph without trials you can't have that celebration you can't have that moment where you're standing up there saying i've overcome something without that uh, adversity that you ran into at some point. And that just, that's going to come over time. And there there is going to be seasons in your life that it feels like everything's stacked against you and that you're just constantly, constantly fighting just to wake up every morning and, and motivate yourself to go to work or whatever you're going to do. That's normal. That's part of life. And I think that if we can really grab onto that and just realize that this is just a small part of the big picture of everything that we're doing that failure, again, kind of fades away and it's more of how do I overcome these obstacles that happen and not give up and motivate myself to continue on.
1: You know, I mean, Evan, I mean, you, hit, you hit so many nails on the head. Well, here's what I love about the phrase, you know, for all you guys out there that run a sales organization or you run a goal-oriented business where people, there's accountability, expectations and results what the key here is is when people actually use that phrase as a crutch you know it you can almost always tell when someone you know tells you you know what Evan I'm gonna get this done cuz failures not an option look those words will not prevent you from failing and and those words will not carry you to victory those words can become a crutch I hear them all the time you know I just can't fail or failures not an option I mean I hear them. And all different versions, and the first thing that comes to my head is, what? It's the first readily available option. It, it, it is the thing that can happen to you. So just saying failure is not an option, skip that. Start talking about, I've planned, I've prepared, I've executed, I'm gonna win. Using some kind of an kind of an almost negative phrase to make people believe in you I believe is the wrong way I would never be like you know what Evan I'm gonna get this done for you man I'm gonna sell these cups and these shirts at the at the conference because we just can't fail well you're gonna be like well we actually could fail if Mm -hmm. nobody likes our stuff what I'm gonna come to you is I'm gonna be like Evan we've got the seminar next week we're gonna see a thousand people we've got cups shirts pins how do they look do you like them Let's get some other people in here that aren't our customers. Let's get their opinions because I want to be prepared. I want to plan and I want to go execute a successful show or, you know, like in your business, you're you're going to go to a show to try to show off your your stuff, your ideas, your creativity and design. So that's all it is. It's like don't use those words as a crutch. Don't don't think they're going to lead you to victory and just skip them all together because what can happen if you use those words that people don't understand, Words can program your mindset, and a lot of people know that with the positive thoughts and negative thoughts. So when we start saying things like "failure is not an option," our mindset starts to believe it could be that easy. It's just not that easy.
0: So I would I would say, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this question to you because you wrote the book. So I'm just I'm a reader of the book. If it's bad, then Arthur wrote it. <laughs> I I I I did detect one sentence in there that I knew Arthur definitely put in there, but I definitely heard a lot of Brian speaking in there too. But I would say, instead of saying failure is not an option, I would propose that we replace that with because failure is an option, we should do X, Y, and Z. And I think that's essentially what you're saying is because failure is an option, we should plan. Because failure is an option, we should prepare, we should test, we should do all of these different things to ensure that we've done our part to make sure that failure has been completely ruled out of the possibilities of happening because we've done our part.
1: Eliminate, eliminate, eliminate. I mean I talked to my my staff about the you know, people in our business Evan think that the first thing they should do is call call the call a lead or a prospect and then do this, do that, and I'm like, yeah, all those things you should do. But the the main thing you should do in the transaction or the interaction of a relationship and trying to start and get a prospect would be eliminate your competition. Well, how do you eliminate your competition? There's a number of different ways. One of the ways that I eliminate my competition is I tell the person right there on the phone, hey, I know that you're gonna get other phone calls from people, generally 800 numbers, and most of them are salespeople. What I want you to know is we're local, we're, we're experts, we're the best. And you know what? If we can't do the job the way you want it done, I'll help you find someone that can. So there's no need for you to take any more calls today because they're just going to waste your time.
0: Yeah, well, and, that, and that's, the, that's the, the preparing part. That's the, I'm anticipating what those no's are going to be so that when they happen, and this is kind of sales 101, I'm anticipating what those no's are going to be so that when it happens, I already have a response. If I can overcome the objections, at some point they're going to run out of objections. And when they run out of objections, what's left to say?
1: Yes. Why wouldn't you want to do business with me, Evan? I, I've done and I've done everything you've asked me to. I've given the prices that you need to. I'm going to offer the services that no one else does. What? Yeah, you're right. What's left? Let's do business together.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what I love about your book. Is that as we're reading it, as I'm kind of going through it, uh, I will admit that I'm not all the way through it yet. But at first, when I first read. Kind of where you were going with the the different phrases that you had, I I actually could feel myself objecting to some of the things that you had in Getting there. You a little mad, a little bit, and yeah. and it was like you know what I believe that these some of these things are are said to motivate people, and I think that if you just take them at words, then yes, all you gotta keep you gotta go way past that, and I think what happens is a lot of people just they write the haikus on their wall, right? They have their their quotes. That they read and, and
1: you the, know, the picture of the of someone helping someone on the beach, and then the big block letters success. Yes, those yeah. are beautiful. Well, believe.
0: Oh well, that that's that's cost effective office decorations is what that is. <laughs> that's what that's what keeps businesses that sell those little posters uh, going. But you know what? When it ultimately comes down to it, you gotta you gotta take that as more of a window into. What's behind that phrase? Why? Why do they say that? It's a good reminder. It's a good thing to put out there as something to motivate you to get to that next level. But if you if you just read it and kind of sit back and go, I like that. That's really nice. I think that's where the challenge comes into play. And I'm hoping that you're listening to this podcast, and I'm hoping that you're pursuing knowledge from all these different sources because you're not just sitting back and listening to these things and then only absorbing them. What my hope is for you is that when you hear things like this that these are things that you will challenge yourself with and take action with because the action part is the most important part of the entire process. You've done the first part which is listening, hearing, learning, and knowledge. The next part then is application.
1: Yeah, I mean when you said the book, you know, got you a little bit uh, kind of tipped you up a little bit. I I love that. You know, I can't stand self-help books. Um, more power to the people writing. Step one, pull the gasoline out. Step two, take the lid off. Step three, pour it in your mower. I mean, good. I guess people need that kind of stuff. I, I, and this is, I'm gonna get people riled up. I tend to believe that a lot of that stuff is common sense. So if you just sit down, you could probably come up with that on your own. Here's what the point of the book was. 10 years ago when I got the idea, I liked sarcasm a little bit, but really it was the challenge. I welcome people reading the book and then let's, let, get, let's get into that deal. Because most of the time, every formidable challenge I get on it, they don't realize where we were coming from. they Or, Evan, mm-hmm. or they were operating in that mindset and had every reason in the world to argue with me. Because they didn't understand as the leader of their sales organization that temporarily motivating their staff every 30 days with failure's not an option, guys, they're only getting 30 more days. Here's what we gotta learn to do. We don't live month to month in organizations. We live day to day. Mm-hmm. Slow down, make it about daily activity. And then and then look at your personal life, Evan. I mean you don't have to just make that a business principle. Think about if you're a married guy and you are with kids and you're living 30 days by 30 days each month that you're living, well you're missing some stuff. Why can't you just live day to day? I live business. every day
0: like it's my last. There you
1: go. There That's you why go. I go
0: to Krispy Kreme every morning. <laughs> there you go.
1: I I I um I, I love that mindset. I I like to live, and you know, I did not do this my whole life, Evan. You say that, and we say that like we're just sitting on our thrones in here trying to teach people how to live. I'll be the first to tell you, dude. It's not long ago that I did not live that way. I was so mashed up in temporary mindsets and temporary ways of life that I couldn't have given you a genuine, transparent idea if I wanted to. Well,
0: what I have alluded to in the past, but this is actually just Evan therapy. We really, in terms of listeners, I'm, I'm really happy when people tune in and listen, but I actually end up listening to these podcasts multiple times as I'm editing them, and then ultimately, like I, when, when they're posted, I want to listen to make sure everything sounds good. I'm still learning a lot of this stuff, but just holding myself accountable, getting it outside of my mind and into my mouth where I'm talking about it. And I believe this is uh, one of the uh, reasons that I love mentorship is because in mentorship, people, you'll bring into your life your life that will challenge you. And they're going to ask you the uncomfortable questions. And so in this regard, in this whole podcast, Young Businessmen of Tulsa is a way for me to continue to challenge myself, uh, but also keep it on the forefront of my mind. I am now more conscious about decisions that I make things that I say, things that I do than I ever have been. And we, this is episode 10 of the podcast. We're only 10 episodes in. So if anything, I'm, I'm hoping to turn around and look back at this. And obviously we want to grow listeners and obviously we want to bring people in. I believe that there's people out there like me that struggle with the, the, the same struggles that we have. And like you said, you know, this is we, we by no means are on, on these thrones that say that we are infallible or that we don't have these challenges. These are things that are not something that you deal with one time these are things that you deal with on a daily basis and in some cases on a minute by minute basis and if you really can focus on continually putting all these different things into your head so that they start coming out of you when when those challenges arise uh one of one of the podcast a couple of podcasts before this we have uh mark green uh who's the founder of mardell he talks about uh, when the pressure's on and you get squeezed, what comes out of you? And it's—he's it, not talking about the blood and guts squeezing. He's talking about pressure from business, pressure from family. In his case, pressure from the U.S. government because he essentially sued the U.S. government. And what it ultimately came down to, uh, to was they were more concerned that he was challenging these things because they didn't like women, or because they didn't like um, the government, or they didn't like anything else, that, or they wanted to make a profit on it. I mean, there was all these excuses that he was talking about where the government was coming back to him. He was like, why are you doing this? And it ultimately came down to, they came to the realization after talking to him that he was just walking his faith. And that's what he was talking about. When you're squeezed, what comes out? And he had the opportunity to challenge something that he believed in with his entire heart. He was willing to step up. He was being squeezed and what came out was everything that he put into himself in, in walking out his faith. I
1: man Evan, um, the content... Is great. I mean, I hope just like you hope the listeners are liking this. I hope they're getting challenged. I hope they're finding value. And if you are, we're not too cool to beg you to share this thing. Uh, Evan's got the podcast out there. We're putting them on social media. We're gonna be an we're gonna be um, talking about it at our monthly luncheon, which if you don't come to the YBT and you live near Tulsa, you've got to check it out. Do We meet once a month. It's the second uh, second Monday of each month. Also, we cannot forget to tell people how to find the marketing masterpieces that Trost Marketing designs and puts into the marketplace. Can you tell us how to get there, Evan?
0: Well, absolutely. So first and foremost, I'll be putting all these different links in the show notes uh, on the actual podcast. But you can go to TrostMarketing.com. It's spelled like Frost. It's T-R-O-S-T Marketing com and call Briansmith.com
1: call Smith.com if you want to quote if you want to have the insurance with the best insurance and most interesting insurance agent in America that is, that's true I'd also like to tell people Evan since we're talking about it I you know I want I want to help our listeners out if, if you want to get a book and you want to have it signed which is weird to me but people ask me to sign them. I've only got a few hardbacks left. Go to IamBrianSmith.com. Click in there. There's already a discount assigned. It's going to be uh, shipping included. I'll sign the book and I'll, and I'll send it to you. Um, I, I, you know, I'd love for you to read it and tell me what you think about it. So IamBrianSmith.com. Brian with a Y.
0: Fantastic. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you have been listening to Evan Uitaki and Brian Smith with the Young Businessmen of Tulsa. And we thank you for taking some time to learn a little bit more about yourself and to kind of listen to us. We'd love your feedback. If you guys want to converse with us, you can email us at uh, ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. And uh, send us some questions, send us some feedback, and then obviously on iTunes you can leave a review. you got to do it on your computer from what I've seen so far. So leave a review. That that will help, uh, help us get the word out to other people and then obviously share this with your friends. So thank you, Brian, and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Young Businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.